Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes descriptions of graphic body horror, spiders, insects, and parasites. We advise extreme caution for children under 13, and we'll leave the most disturbing content for the end with a warning to opt out. You don't not like spiders. You know they kill flies and mosquitoes and the things you don't want biting you. But you like them outside, away from you, far away, with no visible webs of any kind. You believe in live and let live. You don't get in their faces, so they shouldn't get in yours, especially if they see your face as the perfect place to lay their eggs. Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Today, we examine a source of nightmares for multiple generations of American teenagers. Most iconically told in 1991 in Alvin Schwartz's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the spider bite teaches us the dangers of both going outside and popping your pimples. A girl is troubled by a blemish on her face that grows and grows until it bursts, spewing hundreds of baby spiders over her skin, eyes, and mouth. Just the one-sentence summary of the spider bite is enough for many listeners to step away. The origin of the spiders varies based on the telling. Sometimes the unlucky woman is bitten on a tropical vacation or a weekend camping trip. Sometimes a doctor lances a boil. Sometimes it's a teenage girl popping what she thinks is a zit. The spiders are usually black widows, and the story usually ends before we discover her fate. And in some versions, she goes mad, never waking from the nightmare, believing that every bump or itch is another spider nest, just waiting to hatch. It had taken a lot for Ellie to convince her parents to let her take a year off and travel, but it had been worth it. She'd seen the Sahara, the Australian outback, the Arctic, and everywhere in between. When people described Ellie, they usually said she was open to new experiences, new people, new everything. 
It was why she leapt at the chance when an acquaintance she'd met in Belgrade extended her a very special invitation. A week in his home, away from home. A cabin deep in the tropical rainforest. She had gotten all her shots and loaded up on malaria pills, all the usual CDC-recommended doses. Her mother would kill her if she came back with something gross, like worms. Rogelio was an excellent host, and the two of them spent the days counting birds while feasting on mangoes, papayas, and everything nature offered. The only hard part were the nights. Ellie was practically allergic to being alone. She stayed in hostels because she hated quiet, and she'd hoped the jungle would be loud enough that she wouldn't have to be alone with her thoughts. Unfortunately, the ambient noise only saved her for a few nights. Soon, she was used to the night birds, the predators crawling through the undergrowth and over the roof, the buzzing of insects trying to fight the mosquito netting. Solitude did not become her, and it didn't encourage her to sleep either. Ellie paced the floor of her room, scrolling through her pictures, trying to put together a photo essay of her last year. She had to communicate all the amazing feelings she'd had during her travels. The room wasn't very large, so she didn't have very far to go. The opposite walls moved into soft focus as she stared down at her Nikon screen. She was lucky she looked up when she did. There was a massive crawling thing on the wall above her head, glittering yellow and deep brown, body the size of her head, and so many legs. Ellie loved nature, even snakes and rats and things people don't normally like, but she just wasn't used to nature being so big. She stepped backwards as slowly as she possibly could, wondering if the glittering black balls on its front were eyes or strange little mouths. Maybe it hadn't seen her. Maybe it was sleeping. Maybe it was dead. Maybe it was a weird decoration she hadn't noticed, even though it was right above her bed, where she'd been trying to sleep moments before. It jumped off the wall, landing on all its little furry legs, barreling towards her in a strange zigzag pattern. It hopped a little to get over an errant hiking boot on the floor. It could jump. Ellie screamed. Rogelio couldn't apologize enough. He got whatever it was out, explaining that it ate birds, but its venom wasn't too bad, more like a wasp sting. Oh, good, Ellie thought sarcastically. He offered to stay and talk to her until she fell asleep. She eagerly agreed. He tucked her into her mosquito netting, and they argued about The Bachelor until her eyes closed, even though she was more than a year and a half behind. She wasn't sure why she woke up. Maybe it was one of those falling dreams, where you snap out of it just before you hit the ground. Maybe some big cat had roared too close to the cabin. Either way, she was awake again, and she was alone. She tried very hard to not look at the wall above her, even considered moving her bed. But then she told herself she was an explorer, an independent woman, like Nellie Bly or Jane Goodall. She wouldn't be intimidated by some strange bug. She raised her eyes to look at the ceiling. 
There was a spider web on her bedpost. But where was the spider? Ellie told herself to remain calm. The web was too small to be that bird-eating thing. It was probably some harmless little guy who ate mosquitoes, protecting her from malaria. But then she saw it. A spot of black and red creeping across her crisp white sheets. It was so small, so delicate. Her own little black widow spider. Ellie really didn't want to kill it. One, because she didn't like the idea of harming anything, ever. And two, because that would involve getting close to it. But she really didn't want to share her bed tonight. The spider had to go. She bent down to grab her hiking boot, keeping her eyes locked on the arachnid. She lifted it high, slowly, slowly. Then she brought it down. Ellie lifted her boot nervously. There was nothing on the sheets, nothing on the shoe. She turned the boot over just to check, but it was empty. Before she traveled the world, before she found a bird-eating monster in her room, her worst nightmare had been losing a spider. She grabbed her flashlight and turned on every light. She was going to run a systematic search of this room, grid-style, no stone unturned. She put her socks on, stuffing the bottoms of her pajama pants into them. It was muggy, but she was going to be prepared. No bites for her today. She checked her desk first. Nothing. Then the wastebasket, then her backpack. The dresser was next. Her jewelry box was clean, as was her passport book and camera case. She took a deep breath and opened her first drawer. Nothing but socks, camisoles, and underwear. She reached for the next drawer. Nothing. Just her tie-dyed t-shirts and a little black and red spider. Ellie raised her hiking boot. She was Jane Goodall, and Jane Goodall would kill the spider. She brought the boot down. She brought it down again and again. The spider was dead. Ellie was proud of herself. She went to the bathroom to wash her face, removed the sweat she'd accumulated from the ordeal. There was a small red bump to the left of her nose, about two centimeters below her eye. It was a weird place to have a pimple. Her forehead and chin were usually the problem areas, and that hadn't been an issue since she'd gotten a cream for her T-zone. Ah well, she thought, sweat makes high school freshmen of us all. She hit it with some astringent and then some moisturizer. It stung throughout, which she expected with the astringent, but her moisturizer had witch hazel. It shouldn't hurt. She examined the spot again, looking to see if there were any cuts or openings on it, some part of lower layers of skin exposed to the air. But it was solid, swollen and red, but solid. She shrugged to herself and went to bed, leaving the lights on just in case any more creepy crawlies decided to show up. The jungle was fun, but she was ready to go home, where the biggest bugs were her little brothers. Coming up, things get itchy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. 
Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Ellie was finally back from her trip to the tropics, with her camera in hand and stories galore. Her last few nights in the jungle hadn't been great. She'd had to deal with not one, but two spiders. One larger than her head, and the other poisonous enough to kill her with a single bite. But now that she was back home, these terrifying encounters transformed into amusing and harmless anecdotes. She hoped being back in the crisp Connecticut air would help dry her skin out a little. The tropical humidity had been surprisingly bad for her complexion. The new pimple on her cheek hurt all the time. She was so excited to reconnect with her friends, her family, and to hear everything she'd missed. But she was especially excited because her best friend Jay was going to take her to New York City for Halloween. She decided to go as a Freudian slip, complete with massive cigar, borrowing her mother's fake fur coat to keep herself from freezing. Jay went as a pirate, but like an internet pirate. So he had a massive hoodie and a monster energy drink. They were quite the pair. Ellie tried very hard not to look over at Jay as they sat on the subway. She hadn't seen him in ages, and she tried so hard to look pretty. Her makeup was on point as usual, but even her cover-up wasn't quite enough to mitigate the massive red pimple on her cheek. It was mortifying. They started at a party in the village, doing jello shots and dancing to songs they weren't nearly cool enough to know. Jay kept looking at her. Ellie wanted to believe he was falling for her. But her cheek hurt so much. He had been staring at it. Her face flushed crimson and she ran to the bathroom. Jay knocked softly on the door, checking on her. Ellie's tears made her mascara bleed. She dug into her bag and pulled out a makeup wipe. She was going to fix this once and for all. She wiped off the caked-on cover-up. The pimple was massive, stretched red and raw. It would hurt to pop it, but then she could clean it out and cover it up. A few minutes and she'd finally stop looking like someone's volcano project from second grade. She leaned in close to the mirror, trying to find the best angle to press. There was a commotion outside. She heard Jay arguing with someone, saying that the bathroom was occupied. Great. Now she was the girl tying up the bathroom. Very cute, Ellie, she thought. She had to do this now. She tried to start with her nails first, but the skin was too taut and tough to break easily. For a moment, it looked like something was moving beneath the waxy red mound. She tried to ignore it. The quicker she did this, the quicker she could be out there with Jay. She brought her fingers to either side of the red bump and pressed together. Hard. It burst. She pressed until all the pus swelled out and was followed by a small pool of blood. She began to blot with a square of toilet paper. Something stung, 
something moved. No, that wasn't right. Ellie pressed the toilet paper down harder, willing the opening to clot. Her fingertips itched. That was strange. She shivered. Goosebumps were forming on her arm. She looked down and saw a tiny little spider climbing along her wrist. She shook her hand quickly, knocking it to the ground, then stomped it under her heel. The pimple still hurt and was still bleeding. Ellie had never experienced something like this. She lifted the toilet paper to fold it over. The blood looked almost solid, but it was still moving. A red thread was sticking out of the wound. Ellie gently pressed the toilet paper to her face again, but something moved beneath her fingers. She lifted the paper away. It was a partially smashed spider. Ellie panicked, letting it drop to the floor. She got closer to the mirror, trying not to breathe, not wanting to believe what was happening. A tiny spiderling climbed out of her cheek. Then another, and another. Then it was just a mass of writhing blood-red legs skittering along her cheek, up her nose, trying to pry her eyelashes open to reach her eyes. She didn't know if she was screaming, but she could feel them in her mouth, streaming down her arms, her torso. Her extremities had gone numb. She collapsed to the tile, hitting her head on the way down. She wanted it to stop. She wanted to be unconscious. She wanted to be able to scream without tiny, many-legged things crawling down her throat. She wanted Jay to come in here and pick her up and tell her it was all a dream. But the last thing Ellie heard was Jay calling her name. There is no arachnid capable of laying eggs in the human body, and black widow spiderlings in particular are incapable of delivering poisonous bites. But the roots of the spider bite are far more storied and far less scientific, dating all the way back to the work of Swiss writer Jeremias Gotthelf in 1842. His German-language religious allegory, Die Schwarze Spinne, or The Black Spider, tells the story of a woman named Christine who seals a pact with the devil by allowing him to kiss her on the cheek. Christine and her village promise him an unbaptized child in order to escape the harsh rule of a warlord. Christine believes that they can prevent the devil from taking their children by baptizing every child immediately, but she discovers that the infernal king has cursed her. The spot where he kissed her grows into a dark blemish, eventually erupting with spiders. Realizing she must fulfill her contract, Christine seeks to kidnap a child to give to Satan. When she's foiled, she's transformed into a demonic spider and begins terrorizing her village, eventually killing the warlord. Afterward, she's captured by the villagers and held within a house as a secret ward against the devil himself for generations. The Black Spider is considered to be one of the progenitors to the subgenre H.P. Lovecraft dubbed weird fiction. There are several different themes, including the selling of a town's soul to a dark force 
and the transformation of the protagonist into a literal monster. The urban legend take on this old story has been in the English-speaking consciousness since the mid-1960s, a major period of expanding independence for women. They were making their own money, they had their own living arrangements, and most importantly in this case, traveling alone. The 60s were the golden age of exotic air travel, and in many ways, the spider bite can be read as a reactionary response to the way the world was changing after the more buttoned-up and xenophobic 1950s. As promised, we've reached the point of the show where we talk about the creatures that can live in your body, only to burst out of it. We offer no judgment if you need to get off here. We look forward to seeing you for tomorrow's episode, which we assure you is entirely bug-free. Now, here are some of the creatures that the tellers of the spider bite should actually be afraid of. The Loa Loa is a form of parasitic worm from the rainforests of West and Central Africa, who shares several symptoms with the horrors of the spider bite. The worm can live in the human body for up to 17 years after it is originally passed to the host via the bite of a deer fly a blood-sucking insect that tends to target cattle and other large mammals. The tiny worms live within the human connective tissue, like tendons and ligaments. Many hosts don't realize they're infected, aside from swollen lymph nodes and itchy swelling near arms, legs, and joints. Well, that's aside from cases of eyeworm, where adult loa-loa worms can be seen crawling across the surface of your eye and underneath your skin. Many of the most horrific tropical parasites have symptoms tied to the destruction of our largest organ, our skin. The bite of the simulium blackfly can result in a parasitic condition called onchocerciasis, commonly known as river blindness which does massive damage to the skin and eyes as larvae die within the body, eventually stretching the skin to a cigarette paper-like texture. The black flies are most prevalent in sub-Saharan Africa, but there have also been outbreaks in Yemen, Ecuador, Mexico, Guatemala, Venezuela, and Brazil. The medications used to treat Loa Loa are often incompatible with the medications used to treat onchocerciasis, which creates major risks for travelers moving through Central Africa, where both deer flies and black flies are present. There's no possible vaccination to prevent either infection. While there's no need to fear a nest of spiders and what looks like a pimple, it's certainly worth wearing significant insect repellent if you're heading to tropical climes. You may not know what's taking a bite out of you until it's too late. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend and on Thursday with a new haunted place. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite podcast originals, like Haunted Places, free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until tomorrow... 
Don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Joel Stein, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Rache. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>